I, I am notorious for saying, I can't tell you tomorrow's going to be Good Friday or Easter Sunday. And if it's Good Friday, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean the nails won't hurt. But if it is Good Friday, loss will not get the last word. His love will. Welcome to the Christians in Sport podcast. Today, we speak to Reverend Canon, Dr. Ashley Null. He's a respected scholar on the grace and gratitude theology of the English Reformation. He teaches regularly in seminaries, churches, all over the world. But the reason we're speaking to him today is that Ashley serves as a chaplain to elite athletes and coaches. He's a five-time Olympic chaplain. The conversation is brilliant. It's so, so helpful that Ashley speaks with loads of experience about how he helps elite sports people integrate the Reformation's emphasis on the unconditional love and grace of God with their vocation as professional sports people. Uh, it's useful if you are an elite athlete, if you're working with them, uh, you're pastoring them, you want to understand more about what it means to be uh, a Christian in the world of sport. Uh, it's super helpful. Dealing with disappointment, uh, thinking about success, thinking about why we've been made to play sport. There's going to be some wonderful topics which Ashley and Dano touch on uh, in the next 45 minutes. When we spoke to him, uh, he was in Omaha for the US Swimming Olympic Trials uh, just before the Tokyo Olympics, and it's there that Dano is going to begin our conversation. Uh, by the way, uh, you'll hear a bit of paper rustling in the first 10 minutes. Don't worry, we soon fix it. Hopefully it doesn't distract you too much from a brilliant conversation. So do enjoy this interview now with Dr. Ashley Null. Ashley, uh, great to have your company. How's it going at the trials? It's a pretty tense time, I imagine. I always say it's like ten, attending 10 funerals in one wedding. And it's particularly raw at the trials because uh, even if one has a really rough Olympic Games, you're still an Olympian. Whereas for many people, their life stream uh, have been uh, shattered and they will have to uh step back and figure out where they go from here i think that's what's at the heart of our desire to have some time with you but on this topic ashley because clearly for those within certainly within elite sport compared to any other walk of life the judgments come thick and fast tournament in tournament out game in game out week in week out. In other walks of life, you're judged once a year on the company's results or so on, or examination results. Not in the hothouse that's elite sport. I'd like us to spend our time, if we may, uh, referring to some of the body of your work in this field. Uh, And I think it might help. It would help me certainly if, if we could begin by looking at the nature of elite sport, and in particular, why, as a Christian, you would say the distinction between personal significance and personal achievement is absolutely pivotal to supporting an athlete. One of the first principles of pastoral care for anyone who goes very far, very fast, is to ask what they're running from. This isn't always the case, but so many people find the power, the drive, the perseverance uh, to excel 
is motivated by a, uh, a sense of loss, a sense of lack, uh, an emotional pain, a rejection, um, a need to get someone's attention. Um, and it's easy to get confused. Um, medals have to be earned. That's right and good. Love can't be earned. If it's earned, it's not love. And many folks that excel in sport do so because they're trying to earn love. And uh, therefore, the, a sense of loss uh, really is devastating because it uh, creates all this fear and anxiety that they won't be loved by others if they're a loser. And they have been educated, trained, and groomed not to love themselves when they lose. Ashley, could you could you push a little bit more on that? I think everybody plays, even if they've never had to think about this until this very moment, will instinctively get what you just said. If you lose, you're a loser. If you're a loser, you should be ashamed of it. And if you're ashamed of it, that should give us the best possible chance that you'll perform better next time out of the embarrassment of defeat. All of us who've played at a certain level live there, have lived there. How do you begin to unravel that for an elite athlete? The first thing you do is you recognize there are two reasons to compete. One healthy, one profoundly unhealthy. The healthy way is to recognize that competition is a really great way for self-discovery. Um, if you've got gifts, how do you learn to develop them? You look to role models, so people who do that skill better, and you seek to emulate, emulate it. How do you know that uh, this is something that you should devote yourself to. You compare yourself to others to see whether in this particular area of life, you're really good and it's worth investing more to get better. Um, and through competition, you get pushed to push yourself to see what's deep down inside to unlock your potential. So competition can be a really helpful way to understand what you've been made to do. Oh, that, but, that, that, but Ashley, let me just put, hold you there. That, that's, sure. that's really affirming, you see. I, I think that's really affirming. That concept, which you've captured in so many ways, is the thrill of being a youngster when you play, when you're a kid, before you hit the pressure wall. All that you've just described is a reality. You're, you're curious. You're exploring. You want to be as good as that older person. You want to keep beating this guy. All that wonderful thrill and positivity of competition it is something that at our best we love. Now you're going to go to the second part, the negative part of competition, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that is to prove my worth and value. <laughs> And that's profoundly unhealthy because if you get on the hamster wheel of having to prove that you're worth being loved, you're worth being invested, you're worth having a relationship worth, then you never get off. Again, you can't earn love. 
And if you're trying to earn it, whatever it is, it's not love. And the only thing that gives us a sense of deep satisfaction and security in this life is knowing that people know all of us, our strengths and weaknesses, our flaws, and they still want to be with us and companion us in life. A marriage where you're constantly trying to prove to each other that you have value is is suffocating. Mm-hmm. I, I and a life in sport is is just that intensity because, as you say, you're constantly putting your performance on the line, and if it's and if your value is determined by performance. You never know whether today you can like yourself or you have to hate yourself and shame yourself to try to get back to the safe place of waiting. I'm thinking now of mums and dads. Uh, we, we, as many other people around the world who work with elite and competitive athletes, are familiar with working with parents uh, of young people, 12, 13, 18, 19. Depends on the sport, of course, but they're on a, a significant national performance pathway. It's so easy to spot that distinction. Mm, Not easy. One can spot that distinction you've made uh, when you meet mums and dads or mums or dads where it's clear that they're simply differentiated entirely between how their child does in the competition and the value and worth of their child. And you can tell when a child knows that distinction without even having to say it. Do you come across... Do you come across a, a more healthy balance when you see authentic love for people from relations or best friends and so on that separates from their competitive ability? There was, uh, in Rio, there was a particular incident that stands out in what I thought was the absolutely perfect parental talk before the Olympic final uh, for his son. His son was a diver and um, he took them aside and said, and told them a story about a young boy who loved to fly through the air. And so uh, he got him a a trampoline and he would spend hours just figuring out how to move his body uh, through the air. And then when he was about eight or nine, uh, the boy decided to go into diving because that way he could fly even higher through the air. And then that thrill of, of, of excellence and grace and physicality to uh, the boys and the parents' great surprise was he was really good at it. And then he got into the competitive track and and he said, son, my only, son, my only hope and expectation for you today is that when you get out there at the Olympic final, you will be that little boy 
whose thrill is simply in the joy of flying through the air and you don't even think about uh, the results just to enjoy to to remember what brought you into the sport that it sustained you throughout the competition and you know I mean it brings tears to my eyes because that's what you long for parents to say you know that it's uh, uh, we got into this because you really enjoyed it. And I want that to be the reason why you still do it. None of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and that, that validation from a parent at that crucial moment is just so powerful to help a person enter into peace. I mean, the harsh reality is if you focus on the results, you don't focus on the execution. Yeah. And therefore, you have neither the joy nor the excellence mm. that you are capable of. The concept of joy here is obviously a critical one. And I think, Ashley, if we may, we'll go on to that in just a moment as we think of the questions that you've posited uh, in things, in works that you've written uh, about retaining this distinction between achievement and significance and the importance of love in it and joy in it. You'll work with Christians an awful lot. You'll work with people who aren't Christians, of course, as a chaplain. Uh, I'm assuming that this relationship, this <laughs> the perfect relationship you allude to here, where a parent treats their child who's an elite athlete in the way you've just captured uh, beautifully, presumably that points us to God's perspective on us uh, as our father and the gifts he's given us. Would that be the, the fundamental approach underpinning your thinking here? I would say... I often do say that we are defined not by our accomplishments, but by our relationships. But ironically, it's our relationships that make our accomplishments possible. Because it's our relationships that give us the sense of security to risk, to be creative, to push the resilience in the midst of disappointment and desire and to continue on long enough that your talent and hard work blossoms and uh, bears fruit. And uh, for non-Christians, they can relate to the power of being loved apart from their sport, their families, their significant others, their spouses, their friends, their teammates, that they they understand that, uh, well, again, what's the very first thing any Olympic gold medalist does? The very first thing. Looks to the stands where mom and dad are, where your exactly. boyfriend is. That's where you look. Even, even in that moment, they instinctively know that the thrill of victory is empty 
if there's no one to share it with. And that, that relationships are key. Now, the sad thing is so many of them have to had to sacrifice relationships as part of the rigorous training schedule they they follow in order to uh, be achieving at elite levels. But they know instinctively that relationships are the key to their emotional survival and therefore their ability to continue to compete at the highest level. But mm-hmm. go ahead. They also know that human relationships can be deeply flawed. The relationship with their coach can be bittersweet. Their relationship with their parents can be bittersweet. Um, If they're good, they learn very quickly of the jealousies of the people around them on their team. Um, They can learn that the coach expects them to be the leader. So their doubts, their fears, their anxieties, they have to keep to themselves so that they can be inspiration to those around them. They can learn very quickly that as important as relationships are, that the relationships around them are imperfect. And therefore, in that context, Having a relationship with God, who's in essence uh, perfect, begins to help solidify things and and help them get perspective on the the benefits as well as the limitations of those they love, and to get um, some freedom to have perhaps a different view about uh, their performance than perhaps those immediately around them. In some of your work, Ashley, uh, and I refer to that work uh, at the end of our discussion, uh, you unpack this critical idea uh, about pastoral care of athletes by suggesting that there are three questions that are really helpful in focusing our attention on what you've just discussed. So I'd like to push it on to the first of those questions now. Here we are with a situation where an athlete has a faith in God through Jesus Christ. They have a relationship with the perfect creator who loves them and sees their achievement entirely independent, uh, sorry, sees their personal significance entirely independently of achievement. They can always look to him in the stands without fail, and he'll be unchanging. And it is this God who made no mistakes in making them a person who can excel at sport. Your first question for an Olympic athlete in a paper you write on this theme is how has God's gift of sport enabled you experience, enabled you to experience joy? Why do you take that question as the first question? After um, some, I don't know, 30, 35 years at this, I 
have come to realize that my whole pastoral ministry is basically doing two things, giving loss meaning and giving uh, athletes a solid hope that um, Ephesians 2.10, that we are God's masterpiece created to do good works, which he has prepared in advance. John 15.2, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear even more fruit, that um, God in his love has prepared good things for us, for us to do, for us to experience. But if you follow a crucified Savior, it shouldn't surprise you that difficulties and hardships are part of the process. I, I am notorious for saying, I can't tell you if tomorrow's going to be Good Friday or Easter Sunday. And if it's Good Friday, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean the nails won't hurt. But if it is Good Friday, loss will not get the last word. His love will. Even if it tarries, Easter will come. I have never seen not God not be a good steward of the pain in which he asks people to go through. You know, there's the pain of weight training where you tear down your muscles for the first three weeks to build them up stronger. Every athlete understands that and embraces that. That's pain with hope. Then there's the pain of injury where you fear everything has is is being lost and there is so much emotional pain in elite sport it comes with the territory as troy aikman said the highs are high but the lows are low in god's hands though that pain is used to build always to something bigger better brighter, bolder. Um, it's a bridge to a, a more satisfying and productive future. And therefore, what I try to do is to help them see sport, not from their perspective, but from God's perspective. What does God want to do in them through sport? And so those questions, you know, if you ask any parent, what's the joy of Christmas? Obviously, they care what their spouse gives them and how their spouse responds to what they give them. But the greatest joy is watching the children open their presents and for a parent to be able to give joy to their children is deeply satisfying. If we fallible, flawed human beings have joy at giving our children gifts, 
how much more must God rejoice to be able to see that what he does in our lives gives us lasting joy. So the first question an athlete needs to ask is how has God used sport to give me joy? And it's an important question. Um, I'm a, a bit uh, emotionally raw this week because of watching so many good people not reach their goals here in Omaha. And the first thing you need after you grieve with people is just to remind them of all the things they already have received from sport that the results of Olympic trials can never take away. And when you stop and think about the countless times that sport has given you joy, it helps you understand why God has made you that way and brought you into it because it is his good purpose that we feel alive in doing that which he made us for. Doesn't that make, isn't that, that's like common sense, Graham? Uh, it, it's, it becomes common sense as, as one hears somebody unpacking it. And I think this takes me back to something I, I was reflecting on at the beginning, Ashley, which is sport is one facet of God's great tapestry of life and and people have talents and gifts and i know that underpinning this thinking clearly is is your expertise as a scholar of the english reformation and seeing that in any vocation in any calling in life there will be joy there will be easter sunday and there'll be good friday it's going to happen everywhere in life and in particular in the world we're talking about now when the whole world is watching you doing the thing God made you good at. And lots of people have got a vested interest in knowing you as their friend or relative. You feel you're letting them down if it fails. So the winning is fine. The weddings are fine. But then once you've won, you've got to win again and again and again. And the losses are worse then the wins are great. The losses are more painful. Well, um, most elite athletes don't compete to win <laughs> because they know that the thrill of victory doesn't last very long. They compete not to lose because uh, the shame of losing seems eternal. A great exercise I like to do is to ask people to a room of sports people to ask them to think about the, you know, one of the most powerful moments, thrill of victory. And then to say, and uh, the most, one of the most shameful episodes in your sporting career. And then to ask which one was more vivid in your recollection. And it's never the thrill of victory. It's always, you know, and you can actually see them beginning to sweat as they think about it because it, that pain just flashes up. Red. And therefore, one of the hardest things to do is to get athletes to 
begin to remember the joy as their motivation and not fear. Yeah. Now the I was recently about- talking to a to a uh, an, an elite soccer uh, uh, person who. Uh, develops talent and he played for for many years and I was just talking about this distinction and he said you know my entire professional career I was miserable and fearful and um, if there's a way that we can switch sport from being motivated by fear to be motivated by joy I'm all in I'll do anything I can help with that because uh, that's not a great way to live constantly in fear. I've got a few minutes to play with, Ashley. Uh, I have have the two concepts very clearly in mind that support the basic or, or foundational idea here. That as a chaplain, you're saying, God loves you without any conditions on your success on the track or in the pool or it's a gift of grace. Well, your success is actually his gift to you. He gave it to you. Hence your achievements are part of his plan for your life, your ability to exercise your gifts. They're not the opposite. They're complementary to your success. You're not. Well, one of the great dangers is evangelicals can get into this mindset that my victory or success or loss is dependent upon my spiritual purity or not. That basically that I have to prove myself a good Christian in order for God to reward me with victory. And if I have experienced a loss, it must be because God has not felt that I'm good enough and he's cut me from his team. And the only thing worse than disappointing your country, your your family, your teammates, your coach, and yourself is feeling it's all because uh, you let God down. And you can't go to him for comfort and strength and hope because he's punishing you because you deserve it. Hmm. I mean, that that is, that is two hours conversation in its own right. Because when I hear you speak now, I've heard you many times. I think I'd have to say, you abhor that trajectory so much because it's it's the trajectory of hell, isn't it? The trajectory of heaven is that I love you. I died for you. I'm alive. I live in you. I give you every ounce of talent you've got. And I'm utterly committed in the school of discipleship called sports to give you Easter Sundays where you know the joy of the gifts I gave you. And I'm going to give you good Fridays and it's going to hurt but it's not hurting because you're a bad guy or you've let me down. I don't like you anymore. It's hurting because you've got to win and lose in sport. And I'm in this. I'm in this. I'm in this. You're good. Right. And I'm going to take the hurt and make it, make it the pain of, of uh, weight training. Not, this is not the pain that you've invested in. Everything is gone like injury. That in, in my purposes, the pain will be positive. It will not be destructive. Trust me. I mean, I uh, have recently uh, heard an analogy uh, for ministry that I actually think is really wonderful for f- sports people. Athletes are surfers. Christian athletes are surfers. 
Now you got to have a lot of skill to be able to move that surfboard, right? A lot of hard work. But if there ain't no waves, it doesn't matter what kind of skill you have. That the, the goal is to ride the wave that God has created for you and to learn the skills necessary in the ups and downs, but to recognize the wave. You said something earlier that is very common that I would love uh, to critique. If the first question is, how does God uh, use sport to give me joy? The next question is, how does God use sport to draw me closer to himself as a school of discipleship? Because we know it's not all about joy. Hmm. There's a a lot of other range of emotions. Where is God? I know it's very common in Christian circles to say that I compete for an audience of one. Now, I understand the point of that is you shouldn't be uh, competing for the expectations of uh, your coach or your country or your family or even your own uh, ego needs. You should be competing uh, as a sacrifice of, of love, returning to God what he has given you. But when you say I'm competing for an audience of one, where is God? In the stands. But that's not the way God has designed sport. I like to use two different uh, images. The coach with a stopwatch in his hand at the finish line of a cross-country race. And he looks at his runner down the course. What goes through the runner's mind? Oh, well, of course. I've got to make the time the coach wants. Right. I sure hope he's happy when I cross the line, right? Now, take that same situation, the runner 100 yards from the finish line. What does that runner need more than anything else? Biologically, (laughs) not emotionally, biologically to finish. Well, he needs oxygen in the lungs. That's what he needs. Exactly. Is God... A coach who's watching an athlete perform and is going to decide whether that performance is good enough for him to bless, that actually is the most common image of God in sports people's minds. Or is God the air that the athlete breathes inside him or her, enabling every step of the way? Is God sustaining and empowering an athlete's performance rather than sitting on the sidelines judging it? (laughs) And, And in my experience, when athletes recognize the sport is a unique way for them to dig deep and lean on God and experiencing him empowering them in the midst of competition, Um, And if God uh, does that, then clearly he can also do something beautiful with the results, whatever today's results may be. I think that brings us perhaps to the last segment. So you've, of course, naturally articulated the second major question. So if we started with how's God's gift of sport enabled you experience joy? 
you've just drawn in our big idea of how has God's gift of sport drawn you closer to him? What are the outcomes of a life lived with the oxygen that keeps you moving as a Christian athlete, that keeps you surfing the wave through the good, way, the good days and the bad days of sport? If God is for you, he's always for you. What are the outcomes in the locker room, the outcomes post-game, post-match, win or lose? What does God do in our lives, slowly but surely, for those around us in this situation? Well, first of all, one of the reasons why I like the wave analogy is no wave lasts forever. <laughs> it crashes on the beach and you have to swim out and catch the next wave. There are, there are seasons and rhythms. But when you're swimming out to the next wave, you don't doubt that a new one's going to come. In the midst of the difficulties, the troughs, uh, the Christian, I mean, I don't believe that, uh, that a Christian athlete uh, is going to be a non-Christian because God is on the Christian athlete side, especially when there's multiple Christians in the same event. Um, uh, but also because, you know, God makes the sun uh, rise uh, on the just and the unjust. Uh, he gives incredible athletic talent to people who spit in his face and claim it as their own, and he never takes it back. He, that's the, character, the, the wonder of the glory of our God in his generosity. Uh, but the Christian athlete does have the advantage in the sense that there is a realistic, positive hope that adversity actually leads to better times and that there is a solid hope, an anchor in the midst when you don't understand what's going on. And there are times as an athlete that you don't, you're giving it everything and it's not coming together and it's driving you crazy. You can recognize God's got this. I continue on with what I know and in due season, it will become clear. And uh, he's going to be with me throughout my entire life. You know, right now in my playing day, in that really awful two-year transition from my playing days, he's got this covered. He has a meaningful life for me. And uh, uh, I just have the privilege of riding the series of waves that he has designed for me and me alone before the foundation of the world. The most wonderful thing is God uh, has given different levels of gifting in different areas across the board, but he's given everyone the same opportunity for deep satisfaction. And as people draw closer to God through Jesus Christ and experience the love and significance he gives and learn to see life through the eyes of what he is doing in them, 
regardless of their athletic accomplishments or lack of it, and what life is like after their athletic competition days are over, they discover that he has already designed for them and their alone uh, a completely wonderful and surprising and significant and meaningful life that in God's economy, there may be different rankings of accomplishment, but not different rankings of satisfaction and value. He can, the, the Apostle Paul says, you know, the body is made up of eyes and ears and thumbs and toes, and uh, every part is important and integral. You might not think a big toe is a big deal, except it's what gives us the balance to be able to walk. That um, uh, the problem is society says this or that is more significant. But in God's economy, whatever part he has given us, it will have its own beauty and significance, whether in my current context, someone is a Tokyo Olympian or not. That's what only Jesus Christ can do. But he does do it, doesn't he, Graham? He certainly does. And I think that's going to be the challenge that God has given. Perhaps, perhaps we might say God has given a challenge. No, God has given a gift to somebody like you. Uh, that it is your privilege to think hard about the heart of the Christian gospel and its application into the world of sport uh, so that people like me can work out what you're saying and pass it on time after time in country after country through thousands of us who keep saying you are deeply loved and God is all for you. He's all for you and he won't waste one iota of what he's given you in forming you into the person he plans you to be. But great segue into the last question. Love by its nature longs to be shared. And to say that we are deeply loved by God means that that love in us seeks and longs not only to return that love to God, but to do what God does, which is to love uh, the people around us, and that once we let God serve us in sport, giving us joy and drawing us closer to him, then his last work in us is to, is to inspire in us a love that we want to share and serve those around us. And... Um, Eddie Reese, the uh, fifteen-time uh, NCAA, uh, uh, his, his, his team has won the national championship in swimming fifteen times. He's the most decorated coach in any sport in, in collegiate history. He was interviewed here in Omaha at the trials, 
And he said, surprise, surprise. What is the most important uh, lasting um, uh, accomplishment of his time as a coach? Yes. Relationships. Relationships. Yeah. Absolutely. With his players, with the parent, I means and you know that you know that how do, one of the greatest ways to get deep satisfaction is to be a mesh in a network of loving and giving uh, and receiving relationships, and that is open up to anyone in sport, regardless of how many trophies, and to have the trophies and not have the relationships is the most impoverished. Absolutely so. Uh, absolutely so. Um, and now you give me comfort because I've got no trophies and I feel I've got years of relationships. So thank you very much for that encouragement. Ashley, our time is gone. Uh, that was a sort of Welsh, Texas voice. Did you hear that? Gone. 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 <laughs> Uh, we're going to headline a, a couple of uh, pieces of Ashley's work that we've drawn on substantially here, and you'll be able to read that at the bottom of the podcast. A real joy, freedom to be our best is a terrific explanation uh, that is easily read of the things we've been talking about today. And we'll note down a couple of other places uh, where some of these publications have, have, can be found. Ashley, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure having your company, as it always is. And we wish you well uh, for the remainder of the trials and indeed for your relationships with so many athletes during the, uh, the white-hot heat of Tokyo uh, coming up soon when this podcast will be heard by others. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for having me. There you go. That's Dr. Ashley Null. Uh, hopefully that was helpful. Do pass that on to anyone you think may find it useful interesting whether they follow jesus yet or not we hope this podcast is really interesting for sports people uh, wherever they may be in their stage of looking into jesus or in their career as well where it looks like they're so do pass it on uh, we're gonna be back next week we've got another olympic special as we continue to think through what it looks like to be a christian in the world of sports uh, i'll see you next time goodbye <laughs>